Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Mark Levy, who is the founder of Levy Innovation, which is a positioning firm that helps consultants and other thought leaders increase their fees by up to 2,000%. Mark's clients include Marshall Goldsmith, Simon Sinek, David Meerman Scott, CEOs of major brands, the former head of the strategy unit of the Harvard Business School, and many TED and TEDx speakers. He's written for the New York Times, and he's authored or co-created five books, including Accidental Genius, Using Writing to Generate Your Best Ideas, Insights, and Content, and that's been translated into 10 languages. Welcome, Mark. Thanks so much for having me, Linda. I appreciate it. Great. Now, Mark, you're a positioning consultant. So before we go too far, can you explain what exactly is positioning? How do you define that? Yeah, uh, people have a lot of different definitions of positioning. Al Reese and Jack Trout, who kind of coined the concept in 1969, say that it's the spot that your business occupies in your marketplace's brain. It's like how they think about your business. Uh, one way that I like to define what your position is, is it's your, really, it's your point of distinction in the marketplace. It's why someone would think of you or buy your service over someone else's, right? It's that thing that's going to stand out. <clears throat> Pardon me, that one simple thing. So that's, uh, it, it's also very important in, in today's world where, where people make snap judgments based on very little information. You know, like they just go with it. And usually the, the key point there is very little information. So right. they're going to look at, yeah, they're going to look at the field or at your website or whatever it is, and they're not going to do any kind of severe deep dive into it for the most part. You know, 90% of people uh, uh, are not going to do that. So they're going to be making a judgment about you and your offering based on, boom, something that strikes them instantly, what your promise is, what, what everything on your site or in your presentation, what it all points to, the one idea. So that's actually what I help people do. It's like, what's that big, sexy idea that people are going to make a decision on about your business from? Right. So, so rather than having all of these things, it's kind of getting all of your, um, your kind of, we used to say, the wood behind one arrowhead, really fine-tuning what it is that you're, you're really going to have people think about when they think about you. So what yeah, are the well, ways? And if I, if I can relate something to what you just said, I, sure. uh, I appreciate what you just said. It's really, it's not necessarily uh, divesting yourself of all your offerings and all your ideas and just like dumbing yourself down and going with one idea. It's not that at all. It's having one important sexy idea as your umbrella idea ah. of what your business is about or your book's about or your speech is about. And then it's riding the other things behind that umbrella idea so that the other things seem to be in support of that umbrella idea. Ah, love it. Love it. Yeah. But again, leading with, with one key idea. So what are the ways that a company or a business person or a consultant like myself would use their position to be more effective? Yeah. So once you have your big sexy idea, your differentiating idea, it should be because it should be the focus of 
everything you do, you should be speaking about it in your elevator speech. You should be speaking about it in your sales pitch. You should be speaking about it in your keynote speech. You should be teaching it in your workshops. You should be writing about it in your books. You know, you should have a book on that idea, and then you could have brand extension books behind that idea, supporting that idea. Your website, uh, you could have different blog posts about other things, but again, it just needs to, to be in service of that one idea. Like people need to go to anything you do, like your website or your books or so, read whatever it is you're writing and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense given that this person is the blank guy or the blank woman or whatnot. That makes sense that they would write this, right? It's, it's creating sense out of your business so that people know exactly how to process it. So you don't give them all this work of trying to make meaning of your life and your business. They see instantly who you are and how you can help them. And that's usually a very simple idea. I love this. Create sense out of your business. And, and so sometimes we, we want to share too much, I think, because we, we have all these great ideas that we want to share with our, our clients or our customers or, or whatever, uh, and it's overwhelming. And so what you're saying, I think, is to, to really focus around something big that they can get onto first, understand that, and then below there and below that umbrella, you can have the additional ideas. Uh, that's very well said. I put it this way. I use a, an analogy I created. I, I say that you know those icebreaker ships that like yep. go to the Antarctic or they go you know, to the, I don't know, the North Pole, the South Pole. And they, the front of the ship is very sharp. Sometimes there are metal teeth on it. You know, it's pointy. It's often made, there's different harder metals on the front. It's made of a different kind of material than the rest of the boat. And so now when those ships go up to these ice flows and they have to cut through the ice, the reason why they're there is everything that's in the boat, like the human beings, the medicine, the food, the blankets, all that stuff is in the middle of the boat. That's the real important part of the boat. That's why they're there to make that trip. But the thing is, if they tried to get through the ice sideways or like using all those things that they're bringing up there, like the people and the medicines or whatnot, if they tried to get in that way, the whole boat would break apart. Right. And we'd never get anywhere. So they need that sharp, pointy, toothy front to break through the ice so they can get the important stuff to the people who need it. And so your big, sexy idea, your differentiating idea, that is like the front part of your ship. You are using it. It's not your whole boat, right? You have all other important things behind that idea, but you use that sharp, pointy, teeth, toothy idea to break through the marketplace's indifference of who you are. And now once you get in, they say, oh, yeah, that's interesting, that, that thing, that big, sexy idea thing. You know, once you get in, now you can bring and use all the other stuff that's important, you know, in order to do business with the, with the, the marketplace. But you can't lead with that stuff because no one will pay attention to all that stuff. That's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, and and let, let's talk a little bit about one of the things that you do, as well as talking about positioning for businesses and individuals in general, is you help people who are writing a book really find that, that icebreaker idea. 
um, and and that that sharp pointy edge to move forward. And you and I worked together uh, when I was writing my book, which is now in uh, in the midst of being edited and published. The book will be called right. Marketing Above the Noise. So um, we had a great a great experience working together. But okay. let's start before we talk about how the types of things you do to help um, uh, at, at authors with their books. Why should why should people write a book to start with? In your view, let's let's start with that. Well, the obvious answer, the answer that almost everyone says, is that it's a biz dev tool. So it's really important as a biz dev tool. And there's lots of things I could say about a book as a biz dev tool. But I actually think something equally important or more important is you should write a book because of the growth experience it will be for you as a person and as a human being. That whenever you set off to write a book, it forces you, writing is a very unnatural act, and thinking too long about a specific subject in detail in order to explain it to other people is a very unnatural act. So you will sit there, and your own subject that you're expert on, you will look at it, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Linda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, will, you will study it, and you will be articulating things that you only half know. Right? You may use them, and they may be really important to you, but you don't, you've never fully tried to articulate them. So to sit there, and to, it gives you power over your own material and your own stuff to sit there and try to think it through to explain to other people and try to make it interesting to other people and try to operationalize it for other people so that they can understand it even when you're not standing there and being charismatic over them and explaining it to them, to try to have this book be like an emissary for you out in the world and do justice to who you are. The thought that goes into creating it is one of the great growth experiences of your life. You will learn so much about your material. You'll learn so much about yourself. And by the way, it's not just putting down what you already know. Uh, as you know, you sometimes in order to create a book, you have to research. You have to think differently. You have to expand your own understanding of your own material. It's like what Robert Frost says. Robert Frost, and you've heard me quote this to you many times during our work together. Robert Frost, the poet, said, no surprise for the writer, no surprise yeah. for the reader. Right? No surprise for the writer, no surprise for the reader. If the writer doesn't get surprised by the writing, like if they're not constantly, not constantly, but if they're not coming up with new ways of looking at something or additions to the material where they go, oh, wow, I did, that's cool. Like of their own writing as they're doing it. Like then it's going to be a really boring book. If you're bored by the writing of your own book, you're going to bore the audience. So you've got to approach it in a way that's going to excite you and surprise you because then the market will be surprised by it and excited by it. Uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And now, now that I've, I've finished writing the book, and, and obviously it'll, it'll have some editing before everyone gets to, to read it and see it, um, I, I think I can appreciate that a little bit more because when you're on the front end of it, you say, gee, wow, uh, I know this stuff, this is my material, I just want to get through it. And then you start to put this together, and you're right, you've got to explain it to people, and you've got to find a way to make it interesting, and you, you get new insights as you go along. Uh, and sometimes you, you just get stuck. So you have some very interesting, unusual ideas on how to produce book content and how those of us who are writing a book could get unstuck and move forward. Can you share some of those with us? 
Oh, sure. Um, well, one is when people first approach trying to write a book, they invariably, this happens all the time, I say, what kind of book do you want to write? And they start talking all about the marketplace. They say, here's who my market is. Here are the people who constitute my market. Here's what they think. Here's what it is that they like to read. Here's what, you know, what their goals are. And I stop them right away because knowing who your market is, knowing who your readers are, and by the way, this is in developing your business and in writing your book. So it's the same idea here. Like knowing who your audience is, you're going to need, you're going to, need to know them before you create your business or before you write your book. So I'm not saying you do it blindly, but if you start with your marketplace, you actually in many ways can do yourself a disservice and you can do the marketplace a disservice because the marketplace only knows what the marketplace already knows. They're not experts in what it is that you do. So right, anything that they already like means that it's commoditized that it's out there, that it's already known, that it's judged safe. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. like a commodity. It's like there's lots of things like that out there. So if you look to the market first, they're only going to tell you about not what's good or new or important. They're just going to tell you about what's safe, like what they have already like pre-chewed for you. you know? And so that's bad write off because you have all kinds of interesting stuff to tell them that they don't even know about. So you don't begin with the market. Um, also, another way, another problem if you begin with the market is the marketplace has their own goals for what they want their lives and their business to be. And that's justifiable. That's understandable. They should. But their goals and your goals may not coincide well. So you may have goals for your business and your life and your growth as a human being and your contribution to the world that may not totally coincide with who you think your market is. Mm -hmm. So again, if you look to the marketplace too early, you're going to be attracted to their goals and they're going to it's going to take you off course. So you do not look at the marketplace first. Um, you actually look to who you are first. So it, it, when it comes to writing a book, it means examining your life. And, and I have lots of very, as you know, detailed ways. You can find free eBooks on my site about this that I wrote, like list making is a tool of thought leadership or the fascination factor. There, there's a bunch of stuff on my site, but you look to see what it is that most fascinates you in life. It's almost like you're, you've gone through life and you're real intelligent and it's almost like you're this filter. And as you've gone through life, the, the, the phenomena of life uh, uh, hits, hits you and some of it catches in your filter or your net and some of that stuff escapes. Some of that stuff you just forget. You don't even think about it. It's not important to you. And other stuff gets trapped in your filter and you carry it around with you. And it influences all the stuff you do. Well, to write a book, you've got to start somewhere. So my understanding when I work with people is let's look at everything that you've carried around with you. Like what are your fascinations about life? What's the best advice you've ever heard on your subject? What's the worst advice you've ever heard on your subject? What scenes come to mind when you think about your subject, whether you can make logical sense of those scenes yet or not? You know what I mean? What stories come to mind? What are the, you know, just all kinds of stuff that would have been caught in your net 
and now let's look at what those things are. And then I'm a big believer in what I call let your material lead the way. So rather than coming to all your stuff with a, with a preconceived set notion about what your book's going to be, you can have ideas about what it's going to be, but rather than having it set in stone, you look at what all your best thinking is from studying your fascinations and studying your best, the best advice and the worst advice. Like what's all that stuff speaking to? And then from that material, you decide what your big idea is for the book. And the, re- the reason why I use that approach is because now your book is going to be very exciting. It's going to be based on all your best thinking and ideas. You know what I mean? Makes sense yeah. that you're looking at all this most interesting stuff to you and so you're saying, what's all this saying? What's the idea here? Okay, great. How can I make it as sexy as possible? That big idea. Okay, great. Now I'm going to write my book and I'm going to use a lot of the stuff that I was writing about that I, that I made lists about the best advice, all that stuff that's going to be in my book. So now when people read your book, it's based on your most interesting stuff. I love that, and, and I, I know having just gone through this process with you and created the book, what a difference it made to, to do that versus starting with, here's an outline, and I'm going to write chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Uh, and and not, that's not the way it worked at all, but really starting to get to this really interesting stuff and then figuring out where it fit in the book and how the book evolved to, to sort of encompass all of that, I think made it a, a much, much better book than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Uh, related to what you just said, as you know, sometimes people have a hard time with what it is I'm about to say, but I, uh, again, I preach this a lot, that you come up with your best material first before you know exactly what everything's going to be, and then you start to make an outline after that, right? So you right. do your this, this exploratory writing and your list making and all your stuff. And now, what's the idea here? And now, based on all these fragments of ideas or so, now what's my outline? Rather than starting from some linear logical outline, which just, like, is going to bore the heck out of you. You know what I mean? Because, you, you're, you know, you're putting in every single step in the process. And while it looks good when you first write the outline, when you go to operationalize it around it, you start boring yourself to death because you're just writing about everything in a very linear, tedious way. And, you know, I mean, so many writers come to me and they say, oh, my God, I'm so bored by my own book. And I say, no wonder. I'm like looking at what it is that they're operationalizing around. And it's like, yeah, you, you have it all laid out very artificially ahead of time. And you're trying to follow this seemingly logical, but like, like inorganic outline. Like it, no wonder you hate this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think that's great. Um, And, and there's, there's loads and loads of things we could talk about because I, I, I know you've got such great ideas um, that we could talk for hours. I just want to ask you one more quick question that's somewhat related to this before we finish. Uh, I know you also work with business people on giving speeches and presentations, yes. and many of us are not natural speakers, but we know we need to speak. So what kind of quick advice would you give for someone who's got this idea, maybe they've written the book, maybe they haven't, but now they've got to stand up and talk in front of an audience? Right. So uh, a lot of business people today need to speak and they're not natural born speakers. And when they get up and they try to speak or they think about speaking, they get really nervous and they use those nerves. They misinterpret their own nerves. 
And this, by the way, this is not my thinking. This is from the, the world of cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. Um, they, they, they get nervous and they say, oh, I'm nervous. That means I shouldn't be doing speaking because if I knew exactly what it is I should be talking about, I would be really confident. And if I had all my ducks in a row, I'd be really confident. And, you know, like if, if, but what it is that they're doing is they're misinterpreting their nerves. They're, what, what, you can, what people call nerves are often it's just your body preparing yourself to focus to give a really good performance. It's like your body is not so much nervous as it is excitement because you're doing exactly the thing that you should be doing and it's important. And so your body is priming you for top performance. It's like in baseball, you know, like baseball pitchers and batters, they get nervous even okay. when they're all-stars, when they're up. It doesn't mean they should, they should call out the manager and ask to be taken out. It's that they're preparing themselves to focus, to do something right. that's difficult. So when you're speaking, don't misinterpret your, what your nervous system is telling you. You are probably getting ready to do some really great focused work up there. And if you just stay up there and you just speak and you continue to speak, not just one time but over a series of periods of time, your body just naturally acclimates. Like you don't even have to give it any other direction. It just calms down on its own, and then it will be hard to pull you off stage <laughs> because you will so love being up there, right? Once you understand what your body's telling you to do and that your body's going to regulate itself up there, uh, speaking on stage or speaking on video one is just one of the most wonderful experiences that you can do because you're sharing this genius of yours with other people. And, and you know, they want to hear it and they'll be hiring you, they'll be emailing you you know, thanking you. It's just a great experience. So don't let nerves stand in the way if you're a business person who needs to speak. That's a, that's a great thing to, um, to remind all of us. And, and I think even, as you said, even the all-stars, whether they're, they're athletes or, or performers or business people or speakers, we all get that kind of adrenaline rush, and that's a good thing. And that's something that's right. to uh, to think about. So, well, this is great, and, and I could talk to you for hours, but um, I know you've got to go, and our listeners need to go. But this has just been fantastic. We've been chatting with Mark Levy, who's the founder of Levy Innovation. And if you go to his website, um, one of the things that's been very helpful to me when I wrote my book was the tool uh, List Making as a Tool of Thought Leadership. And that's available at no charge on his website, which is www.levyinnovation.com. And so I invite you to go there. And, Mark, thank you so much for spending time with us. Linda, thank you so much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Okay. Until next time, this is Linda Popke from Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, Contact us at www.leverage2market.com.